you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through um, 13. This is what I really thought I was going to preach this week. I'd actually studied it and started to put a sermon together on this passage, and then I got stuck on one word and couldn't go any further, and then my whole message just got morphed into a message on that word. And so Matthew chapter 8, it's also found in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 9, but Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, that's a pretty amazing thing because centurions were Romans and uh, they were Gentiles and they were pagan. And so the fact that Jesus is willing to go is making a big statement there. And verse 8 says, the centurion, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And this is where I, what I just love. Only, but only speak a word, for my servant will be, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith now even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just want to focus on that one verse, verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I, I, I thought about that all week long, that Jesus marveled at this man's faith. I, I, I just wonder what it takes to get Jesus to marvel at our faith. This is Jesus, the God who knows everything. He knew how this man was going to respond. He knew this man would come to him. And, and, and so what was so amazing that it made him marvel even when he had that knowledge, the God who knows everything. Oh, don't you want faith? that makes Jesus marvel. I've been thinking about it all week long. I, I want the kind of faith, total trust, faith is total trust in God. I want the kind of faith that that makes him marvel. Is that Tyler? Can you just check that, please? Um, that makes him marvel. Now, this man was a centurion. He, he, was, he was in command of over a hundred men. He, he, he lived his life for the, the Roman military. He was dedicated. And, and he said to Jesus, I understand authority. I tell people to go here, and they go, and, and I command people, and they do what I say. And so, Jesus, I, I understand authority. And he took what he knew about authority, and he applied it to his relationship with Jesus. He believed that if Jesus, a man of authority, said something, it would happen. That all the universe would obey him. That his word was that powerful that even the universe had to obey it. Can I just tell you that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. When he says something, he means it. And this man knew that if Jesus said something, it would happen. 
The Bible says that without faith, without belief in, in God and what he says, it's impossible to please him. He waits for faith. He waits for total trust. He waits for belief. He waits for us to come in to agreement with his word. My son, you've heard me say this many times. We have two sons who, who are police officers, and, and, and they have uniforms and look handsome as the Dickens when they wear them, and they have a big old badge on their chest, and, and they've got a belt full of... Uh, weapons, and, 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 and they have a car that they drive with a seal, uh, one from the, state of, from the state of Minnesota, the other from the state of Wisconsin, and, and, and they carry authority, and they carry power. Their authority is in their uniform, in their badge, in the seal that's on that car. And so th their power is in the weapons that they carry. But I, I will tell you that either one of them, if they were not in their uniform, did not have their badge or their power weapons, and they didn't have their, their squad car, and they stood out in the street and they put their hands out to stop a car, nobody's going to stop for them. People are going to swerve out around them and go their happy way. But when they have their uniform on with their badge and with the squad car, <laughs> and they put their hand out, People are going, well, I hope, people are going to stop because they recognize authority. Even Dave and I were up visiting with our son Tyler in Minnesota a number of months ago. And we stopped to, to buy him a coffee at Starbucks. He was working, and he brought his, his squad car in, got out of the car. We got him a Starbucks. I kissed him goodbye, and we pulled away. And when we pulled away, behind us, the lights switched on in his car, and a siren came on. That's my baby, but we pulled over because even though it's my son, <laughs> I recognized authority, even though it was my son. And you see, when he flips that light, when those lights come on, the siren come on, I recognize that, that he's carrying a badge that says he has authority that's not only his authority, it's backed up by the state of Wisconsin and ultimately the president of the United States. And I understand the authority he has is authority that's been delegated to him from a higher power. And do you understand that we have been given authority? The Bible says that we have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, not some, all the power of the enemy. And that nothing, absolutely nothing can harm us, can hurt us. Hmm, Jesus, help me. Uh, the, the Bible says in, in I, I just, authority. I, I just, I want to, I want to just talk to you about the, the power of God's word. And, and I'm going to jump all over, and Lord, help me just keep this straight in my mind. But, but, but in Genesis 1, we see that the world was chaos, and it was dark. <laughs> and we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the chaos, over the darkness. Nothing happened. The Spirit was there. But nothing happened. It just hovered. Nothing could change at that point, even when the spirit was just hovering. What made it change? Somebody. God spoke, and he said, be. He, he spoke, and it was. He says, let there be light, and there was. And we read in that whole passage in Genesis where God says, let there be this, and it was. Let there be this, and it was. Do, do you know what I'm saying? That he spoke. There is such power in the word of God 
that it speaks into chaos and order comes. It speaks into darkness and light comes. And the Bible says that we've been created in his image and in his likeness. That when God created man, turn over to Genesis chapter 2. I've got to find it in these crazy notes that I have no idea. They're so unorganized. But Genesis chapter 2, um, and I believe it's verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So every, up until this point, everybody, everything that was created, God spoke and it came into being. But man, we were created in his image and in his likeness. The Bible says that he created us from the dust of the ground. He took time. He formed us. And then when we were formed perfectly by his precious hands, he breathed the breath of life into us and we became a living soul. One of the translations, it's actually a Jewish translation, it says, and man became a speaking spirit. It's the, Jewish, it's the Jewish translation of man became a living soul. So that present English translation is not wrong. It's incomplete. It lacks the essence of the message that we didn't just become a living soul. We became a, a speaking spirit. Every living person, every person that God created is created in his image and in his likeness. And, and he was a speaking spirit. Man spoke and a whole, God spoke and a whole universe came into being. All the creatures that God created, we are the only ones that speak. Why do you think that is? Because we're created in his image. We don't bark, we don't meow, we don't neigh, we, we speak words just like God. He spoke and it came into being. And so our words have power because we were created in his image and in his likeness. The scripture says our words hold the power of what? Life and death. We have power. Our words create just because, just like God's create, because we were created in his image and in his likeness. And if his words create, so do ours. That's why we have to be careful. We have to guard. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we have to watch. My mama used to say to me, Rhea, watch what you're filling yourself up with, because whatever you put in is going to come out. And some of you have put in such bitterness and, and anger and hatred and jealousy. I, some of you, I can look at you and see the anger on your face. What is up with that? It's destroying you. It is destroying you. Do you care that it's destroying you to give somebody a dirty look? How does that make you feel? It's the abundance of your heart that is coming out. And you are giving the enemy power in your life. Watch what you're putting into yourself because it will come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And we were created to be speaking spirits. And whether we like it or not, our words create and they have the power of life and death. And we get to choose what we're going to use them for. I can use my words to bring death. I can use my words to build up and bring life. But no matter what, my words have creative power. And they're going to do one or the other, create death or create life. And that's why we have to be careful. 
That's why prayer is so important because the one who doesn't pray, one rabbi said, the man who does not pray is muzzling his speaking spirit. Because we were created to, with the capacity to communicate and to speak with God. That's why our prayer life is so important. And so we were created in his image and in his likeness. And, and our words have power. And that's why we have to come in to agreement with God. And we have to begin to speak his words. We have to take, uh, look at the rest of that scripture in Genesis. I think it's Genesis, um, oh, it's Genesis 2, 126, I think it is. Let's see. Um, and then God says, Let's make, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Some of your translations will say uh, authority uh, there instead of dominion. But, but look at that passage. God says, let, them make us, let us make man in his image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. That word dominion means to rule, to have dominion, to dominate, to tread down, to prevail against. You are created to prevail against the enemy. Do you understand that? You are created to prevail against your troubles, against your tribulations, against the trials that you go through. It means to take possession of. You and I were created to take possession of all that God has for us. That's why we have to come into agreement with him. He's given us authority to take possession of everything he took possession of for us. Do you see it? And we do that by coming into agreement with his words. So he says, let them have dominion. Some translations say authority. God gave us his word, and he gave us authority to back that up. And he wants us to herald that word, to decree it into the atmosphere so we can dominate, so that we can prevail and take possession of all that he has given us. Do you see it? That's why our words are so important. And we have, just like when God spoke, he took chaos, Jesus, he took chaos and he brought order into it. We get to determine what's happening around us. You say, no, Rhea, I, I, I am, I'm really a victim of what is happening around me. No, you're not. No, you're not. You just don't understand the authority that you carry. You don't understand that your words have authority, and when you use his words, your words are backed up by, like Tyler, not just by, they're not just your words that you're speaking, they are backed up from all of heaven. They have, they have the backing of all of heaven, and when you carry that kind of authority, when you use his word. So, I was thinking, and I've got to find it in my I don't know how people do this with their computers. I hate it. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. You know the scripture probably by heart. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were created, were, were, were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made uh, by the things that are visible. I, I like the Amplified. It says that faith is my title deed. A title deed is a certificate of ownership. Do you, do you know that? Faith is our title deed of things hoped for. Help me, Lord. So 
If I went home, you've heard me do this illustration before. If I went home tonight and there was a squatter in my house and he had moved everything in and he and I went in and, and, and he was sitting on my couch relaxing, eating my, my, my food from my refrigerator, watching my TV. Would I go in and say, welcome to my home, make yourself comfortable? You better believe I would not. I would say, get out of my house. This belongs to me. Now, if he didn't go, would I say, okay, well, there's a spare bedroom upstairs. No, I, I would call the authorities and I would say, wait a second, this guy has moved into my property, into my house, and it belongs to me and he needs to get out. And I would produce a title deed to say, this house belongs to me. I own it. So when the Bible says that faith is our title deed, what it's saying is that God's word, <laughs> you, you need to trust God's word so much, it's like you have a title deed to it. Like it, you own it. You own that word. He, 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 he secured it for you. So all of his promises are yea and amen to those who what? Believe. Faith is the title deed. You own what he has secured for you, but you have to activate the title deed through your faith, through coming into agreement with that word. His promises are yea and amen to those who believe. Faith is the title deed. It's the ownership of those promises. Are you following me? But you have to believe. You have to believe that they're yours. He's not a man that he should lie. His word is not a lie. They're promises. And they are forever settled. His word is forever settled in heaven. He is not sorry he said it. He is not going to change his mind. It's settled. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And we have got to get to that point where we believe God's word no matter what. But you know what the problem is? This is what we believe what we see, what's happening in the natural. Oh, I have so much I want to say, and it's all coming through my head at once. But, but I have a thermostat in my house. Davey has it programmed because we're misers, <laughs> and we don't like high electric bills. And so our thermostat is way, 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 way down at night when we're sleeping and can have blankets on our bed. But he has a program that it shoots up at 7.30 in the morning. Well, I get up at 4 in the morning. And so he does not like me touching the thermostat because he has it programmed to what's comfortable in our house. Are you with me? So I go down the steps, and it's freezing cold in my house. And I look at the, therm at the thermostat, and it has a thermometer on it. And it says... 62 degrees and I think that's too cold for me I'm going to change that thermostat because the thermometer I can't change that's that is that's reading the atmosphere around me and telling me what the atmosphere is set at are you with me too cold I could bundle up most mornings I do I get my long down coat on, I turn my little portable heater in my office and I shut the door. But, but I could choose to do that and adjust to the atmosphere around me. Or I could do what makes Dave angry and I could change the dial 
on the thermostat. And when I change that dial on the thermostat, it, 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 it's connected to the heart of the unit that causes the furnace to kick in and boot up the, the, the environment, the atmosphere, changing the temperature in my atmosphere to whatever I set it at. So whatever I desire, 7580, I will set that thermostat. Dave is seeing dollar signs, but I'm like, I'm getting comfortable. I'm changing this atmosphere to what I want, to what I desire. Some of you are already with me. Because our tongue has the power of life and death. Our mouth, our words can change atmospheres. You don't believe me? Walk into an atmosphere where two people are arguing. And they can stop talking. And you can still sense the atmosphere, can't you? Because words have the power to change atmosphere. So if I don't like the temperature that's around me, I can either adjust to it, because see, this is what we do. We program our thermostats to what makes us comfortable. And see, some of you are comfortable in chaos. Some of you are comfortable in hatred because that's what you've been programmed for all of your life. You were, some of you are, 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 you live in an atmosphere of gossip and malice and backbiting because that's what you were raised in and, and you've been programmed to, to be comfortable in that atmosphere. And so you're content with that temperature. Some of you are content with victimization. It's all you know. It's what makes you comfortable. It's, it's where you, you, you're programmed to be a victim because that's where you're, you're comfortable. Some of you are comfortable with anxiety and fear. God says you don't have to be anxious about anything, but you're comfortable with it. It's all you know. It's what you've been programmed with, even from a little boy or a little girl, and anxiety rules your life, and you check the temperature of your emotions, and it says, be anxious, and you're like, okay, I will. And God says, no, you have a thermostat that can change that whole temperature of your environment, that can change the atmosphere you're living in. And so you can either do what I do and put on the down coat and turn up the space heater, or you can change the, 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 the dial on the thermostat. But you have a choice. And we get to change that thermostat with faith by using our mouth to change the dial, to change the temperature. So, so, for example, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. So the thermostat doesn't deny the temperature. It just gives me a read. The, the temperature just gives me a read on the atmosphere. The thermostat changes. Are you with me? So faith doesn't deny these people who say, you can't say you're weak, don't say you're weak. Don't, shh, close your mouth. Don't ever say you're weak. My Bible says, when a mountain's in front of you, you say to that mountain, be ye removed. You don't say, I don't think there's a mountain in front of me. I don't see any mountain in front of me. You see any mountain in front of me? And the big old mountain is right there. So don't say you're sick. Don't, don't say you're sick. No, you, you need to tell your sickness to be gone in Jesus' name. To see the difference. Let the weak say, I am strong. 
I, I'm going to say something different. I'm feeling weak right now. My temperature setting is telling me I'm weak, but you know what? I'm changing the thermostat. I'm turning the thermostat up, and I'm changing this environment, this atmosphere I'm living in. I am strong in the name of Jesus. My temperature is saying I'm full of anxiety, I'm anxious right now, but I'm going to change the thermostat and I'm turning the dial and I'm going to say I, I am not anxious about anything. And through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, I'm presenting my request to you, Lord, and you promise, you promise. I got a title deed with the promise that say I own peace that passes all understanding. And you promise that when I'm not anxious that, that I can present those requests to you and you will guard my heart and my mind with peace that passes all all understanding. Do you see it? You see how that all works together? But I have to say it. Let the weak say I am strong. That there's all kinds of scriptures that I can I can quote to you about the importance of speaking God's word if I could just find my notes that I could flip to instead of having to scan like that they don't like it at all. Um, so Romans 4:17. In the presence of whom he believed, God who gives life to the death and call to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Faith calls things that do not exist as though they do. Romans 10:8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Um, the Matthew 6, 19. Uh, nope, let's. Mark 11, 20, 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. So whatever he says and believes and does not doubt. Do you, do you see those? Um, uh, let's uh, Joshua 21, 45. Not one of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All have come to pass. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I, I just... All, all of I could I could just go on for hours and give you scripture after scripture about the importance of speaking God's word. Whatsoever things you say, you shall have. <laughs> Let the weak say, "I am strong." We got to come into agreement. The importance of agreeing with God versus agreeing with the enemy. All of His promises are yea and amen to those who believe. You've heard me say this a million times. When God spoke a promise, it came with his yes. This is yours, the yay. And amen is our part, the so be it. When we say, God, this is your promise, I'm going to add my amen to it. When I'm preaching and somebody says out loud, amen, that gets me going. Because that word amen says, so be it. What she's speaking is truth, truth. It means truth. And so all of God's promises are yea and amen to those who believe. He's already given the yes. This is your promise. And you say, so be it. That's truth for me. I'm taking that promise and I'm applying it to my life. Am I just going too fast? Are you following me? 
And so the word of God is a double-edged sword. You've heard me teach on this. It's a two-mouthed sword. A a double-edged sword is the most deadly weapon you can find. It does damage going in. It does damage going up. It does damage going down. It does extremely extreme damage. It's a deadly, deadly weapon. And the Bible says that the word of God is a double-edged sword. It's a deadly weapon. And it's a, a double-edged is a two-mouthed sword. It's two stoma, two-mouthed sword. And so when, when God spoke it, he put his mouth to it. And now when we speak it back to him, we're speaking spirit, when we speak it back to him, when we mouth his word back to him, it becomes a deadly weapon. Do you see it? And so when we... With our thermostat illustration, when the temperature around us reads something that we are not comfortable with or we don't like, we get to change the atmosphere. We get to change the environment by speaking the same thing as God says. Yesterday, somebody came up to me, and they were very, very serious, and and Rhea, i got to talk to you about this, and they said something extremely critical. And about somebody else. And they wanted me to come into agreement with them. And I thought, I can come into agreement with them here. Or I can change the atmosphere by speaking something else. And I said something so positive and so sweet about this person. And the look on this person's face was unbelievable. They knew exactly what I had done. And, and, and it killed what they were saying. It killed that whole atmosphere, and it changed it. Just by one kind word, I could change the atmosphere. Do you see that? That's the kind of power our words hold. That we, we have such power with our, with our mouths. Uh, but it takes having faith in God's word. That, that we have so much faith in it that we understand the authority that God's word holds that we will use it, that we will say, Lord, I, I believe in your word and I believe in your authority and I'm going to use that. I want God to marvel like he marveled with that centurion. I want him to say, look at how she's using my word. Look at how much she believes in that. Look at the authority that she believes my word has that she's using it, that she's calling on me and she's using that word to change atmospheres. I want faith in God's word that makes him marvel. I, I want today when my son called, I'm telling you, my daughter-in-law called and I saw her number and I was like, oh my goodness, she doesn't ever call in the middle of the day and immediately panic gripped me. And I thought, no, I'm not receiving that. I'm, I'm not going there. And, and, and so I told Dave, I was driving and I could, I, I can't ever say I audibly hear the Lord, but I heard him. I heard him in my spirit say, praise me for this. And I said, Lord, My son is sitting in the emergency room with who knows what is happening to him, and you want me to, in this moment, praise you? You want me to praise you for this? And he said, yes. And I began to just praise him. I said, Lord, thank you that you have him. Thank you that you called him. Thank you that whatever's happening, you're going to use this thing for your good and for his good and your glory. Thank you that in the midst of it, you're going to show yourself strong. And I just began to praise him. And the more I praised him, the less power that thing had in my life. And the more trust I just had in God. And you see, it's the choice that we get to change our atmosphere. 
but we get to do it. I could come down those steps in the morning and just be shivering cold until the, the thermostat kicked in at 7.30. I could say I have no choice here but to bundle up in a coat and put on a, a, a scarf. Sometimes I would go out, would I not, and sit in my hot car in the car and start the car to get warm. That's ridiculous. I can change the thermostat. I can, sorry. Um, <laughs> but that's what some of you are doing. You see, some of your thermostats have been programmed by people in your life. Here's what some of your thermostats say. The thermometer reads, you're worthless, you are a piece of garbage, you'll never amount to anything, nobody loves you, you're unlovable. And see, the, the glorious thing about our thermostat is it only kicks in when that temperature drops below that, the set temperature. Otherwise, the thing never turns on and never changes as long as the temperature never changes. And see, some of your temperature never changes. So your thermostat doesn't ever have to kick in because you're quite content living in, I'm worthless, I'll never amount to anything, nobody really loves me, I'm too broken to ever be made whole, um, God's word doesn't work for me, it works for everybody else. And that's the temperature that you live your life at. And so the thermostat never gets changed. And so that temperature remains constant in your life. And as soon as it starts to, to get a little warmer in your life and God starts working, all of a sudden your thermostat, which is set to go to that other level, kicks in and says, no, 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 you can't be thinking anything good because you're worthless and you're never going to amount to anything and nobody really loves you. And God's word doesn't work for you, so you know what, just forget that. And so the dial on your thermostat never, ever gets set at a different temperature. And your life never changes. Your environment never changes. I believe we have the power to change atmospheres. I just do. I love darkness. I, I, I was saying to somebody, let's see if she's here. I, I was saying to somebody yesterday, they were talking to me about darkness. They were a little afraid. And I said, what are you afraid of? And, and, I, and I said, you said, here's what I believe. I walk in a dark room and I flip a light switch and light overcomes darkness. Not the other way around. And, and so when I come into a dark environment, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of, of that. That doesn't even faze me. Because I know what I carry. And I carry power, and I carry authority, and I can trample on snakes and scorpions, and I can overcome all, not some, all the power of the enemy. And my badge and my authority is backed up by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and all of heaven is behind me. And when I speak his word, it has power to arrest, to arrest the enemy. But we've got to get to that point of belief. And we have to activate it. You're exactly right. We have to activate it. If I never change that dial on my thermostat, it never gets activated. And, and that word, the word in you, has the power to change lives. I have so, so many incredible notes. And who knows what's in here? Because I, I can't read them when I have to just skim through. And I'm just going to close it right now. Um, 
I did give you what was in my mind, but, but I want to go back to the centurion because here was a man who didn't have all the religious upbringing. He didn't have all of the, the knowledge. What he, had, what he saw was Jesus in action, and he, he saw Jesus and the power of his word. And he was ready to bank everything on that. And, and, and I, I just, you know, some people say, well, Jesus didn't, didn't speak to something and have it change. Really? I see that he filled water pots up with water in Canaan, Cana and said, scoop some of that water out and take it, take it to the, the head of the, or the wedding. What's the word I'm looking for? The host of the wedding. And, and it was wine. He called that which was not as though it were. It was water, and he called it wine. He called um, Abraham the father of many nations. I, that's in my notes. This one got me all week long. Is Abraham, he says, you're not going to be Abram anymore. I want you to start calling yourself Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. God, I thought we'd been through this. I ask you for uh, offspring. I don't have any. And, and, you know, and now you want me, you want to call me the father of many nations. So everywhere that Abraham went, they'd say, hi, what's your name? I'm Abraham, father of many nations. Abraham, father of many nations. He heard that over and over and over. I'm Abraham. His mouth spoke, I am the father of many nations. There's Abraham. He heard people calling him Abraham long before he was the father of many nations. Abraham, against all hope, in hope, believed. He had a word from God, and he stood on it. I wonder, I, I, I did the investigation, baby. Do you remember? Was it like 24 years? God spoke that word to Abraham, and it was forever. Don't take me, don't quote me on 24 years. It was a long time before he had offspring. And he, against all hope, in hope, believed that God meant what he said. And we have got to get to a point where we stop believing our, 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 our um, uh, temperature, <laughs> our, 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 that temperature gauge in our life, our emotions. We stop believing our emotions and we start believing God's word instead. We stop being moved by what we see in the natural and we start being moved by God's word. You've heard me talk about our son. Our son, uh, Danny, was an alcoholic. He had extreme cirrhosis. They told him that if he took one more drink, he would, he would immediately die, that he had cut his life his lifespan in half. He had a belly that was this big full of, am I exaggerating, this big full of, uh, of fluid from the cirrhosis of his liver. He was, uh, he was uh, what is the word I'm looking for, yellow, he was jaundiced, his eyes were yellow, and, and I said, my son will be taught by the Lord, and great will my children's peace be. I thank you that my son is healed in Jesus' name. I thank you that every bondage and every addiction is broken off his life in Jesus' name. And I just began to declare it. I just began to declare it. I was not going to be moved. My daughter called me and said he needs to go to the hospital. His eyes are yellow. His belly's big. And I said, it's a great thing he's going to be taught by the Lord and great is his, great is his peace going to be. It's a great thing he's going to be healed in Jesus' name. I stopped coming into agreement with what I could see in the natural. And I can tell you, honest to God, the Lord, 
Lord is my witness. He went to the liver doctor one more time after that, and he had no trace of cirrhosis in his body. He did not take a drink from that day on. He went to Bible college. I'm telling you, God's word works, but we have got to get into a place where we start coming into agreement with it and stop saying, well, my temperature gauge, my emotions say I should be distraught about this thing, and there's no hope left. We can change that. We can change the thermostat. I have a good friend, and she's listening tonight. And her son uh, was addicted, and I loved him like I can't even tell you how much I loved him. And when I when I was working on this message, I said to the Lord, "But she's going to hear this, and she's going to get discouraged." And He said, "I gave her everything she asked for." She asked me that he would be healed and delivered and set free. And he is healed and he's delivered and he's set free. He had an overdose. He's in heaven. Right now there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that boy is enjoying life abundant with his father in heaven, free indeed from every addiction that ever plagued his life. And, and, and so sometimes we ask God for something and we start believing and the enemy said, you didn't get what you were believing for. God's word doesn't work. We see through a glass dimly, but someday we're going to see through clearly. But I can tell you that his promises work, and they're yea and amen. And we've got to get to a point where we are not easily moved. What happens if you pray for somebody to be healed and they aren't healed? How do you know? How do you know they didn't get the healing? That I believe ultimate healing is that they go to heaven and, and be with the Lord forever. That's ultimate healing. But we've got to stop wavering in unbelief. The Bible says if you ask and you do not doubt in your heart, you shall have whatever things you ask for. You say, well, I want a Cadillac. That's not the way this works. That's name it and claim it, crazy faith, and I don't want to even talk about that. If you ask anything according to his will, and what is his will? His word. You can stand on his word, and whatever you see in that word you can believe it's yours. I have, you can ask Leslie, I have this list of declarations I make over my grandchildren. My kids are ticked. They're like, you used to make them over us. Now we don't, well, we lost our place. And, but I make them over my grandchildren every day. And I, I declare these words over my grandchildren. They're just words I took out of the word of God. And I, I say, I thank you, Lord, that Mason, before you, before you, before he was formed, you knew him, and that you put a call in his life that that only he can fulfill. And I declare and decree into the atmosphere that he's going to fulfill every call that you've placed on his life. I thank you that he is fearfully and wonderfully made, and he's always going to know it. I thank you that he's going to be a world changer and a kingdom advancer. I thank you that no weapon that will ever be formed against him will prosper. That he will. He, and, and I just, I just continue to do this whole list of decrees over my children because uh, my grandchildren, because I am putting those into the atmosphere. One last thing. I, I remembered something in my notes I want you to see, and then I promise this is it. Um, here. Job 22, 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and light shall shine upon thy ways. A decree is an official order, or uh, by a, uh, it's an official order issued by a legal authority. Uh, the dictionary defines a decree as an official order or a decision, especially made by the ruler of a country. Uh, 
this Bible is full of God's decrees, God pro God's promises to us. And, and, and so when we decree a thing, the Bible says it will be established unto you. So these are the king's decrees, and when we decree them with our mouth, it will be established unto us. The word decree, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means to cut off, to destroy, to exterminate, to devour. So as his people, God gave us his word and the authority to use his name, and we are called to proclaim, to herald his decrees into this earthly, this earthly realm, and we get to cut off and destroy and exterminate the plans of the enemy. Do you see it? With, with the word of God. And so uh, when we decree them, when we declare them, uh, anything that doesn't line up with God's word, if we're speaking his word, those things get cut off and, and destroyed. And, and so we're making those decrees uh, the, in, into the atmosphere. So the, the NIV says it a little differently. It says, instead of the word decree, it says, whatever you decide on, it will be done for you. Uh, so whatever you decide on, many of you, you know that scripture, all the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And, and, and so this scripture is saying, whatever you decree will be established unto us. That's why we need to guard what's, what, what's coming out of our mouth. We have to guard what's being put into our heart because uh, the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart because out of it comes the issues of life. And if out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth is going to speak, I'm going to make decrees that are messed up. Because I'm decreeing them out of agreement with the enemy instead of out of agreement of God. And so the Bible says decrees work one way or the other. It doesn't matter if you decree what God says or what the enemy says. It's going to be established unto you. you got to, you're going to get it. So whatever you decree is coming back to you. So watch what's coming out of your mouth. So when you say, I'm a loser, I'll never amount to anything, you've made a decree into the atmosphere. And so whatever you decide on, you're going to have. And scripture says, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. It de determines the course of your life. That's why our prayers are so important, that we're praying God's word, that we're not praying our fancy little, help me, Lord, you know, give me this, I want that. Can you, can you bail me out here? We come into agreement with his word, and through prayer, we, we send it back up to him in agreement. We communicate with him, speaking spirits, speaking his word, and it becomes a force to be reckoned with. Do you see it? Okay, I know I just vomited a whole lot of information. Somebody said it's like listening to you teach is like drinking water out of a fire hydrant, and I understand that. But... Um, but I had one more shot at you before summer, and I wanted to give you everything I could. But any questions that I could answer that I wasn't? I know sometimes I know what I want to say, and it doesn't come out that way, and it's not very clear. And so, any any questions? Any questions throughout the whole year? Yeah, John. He was teasing us. He wanted to see if we would if we would pull over. He, yeah, Dave said, what are you going to do about it? He said something about you you were speeding or you didn't signal properly, sir. And he said, and what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I changed your diapers, big guy. But um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Pray for him, please. Did we, did we get any message yet? Mm. Um, anything else?
stay in the Word of God this summer. Please don't get lazy and um, just get comfortable. Just uh, stay in. Leslie said to me today, we were praying, and she said, you need this summer to rest. And, and you, you, you just get overwhelmed with all the studying you do. And I said, Leslie... <laughs> I'm not going to not study all summer long. I'm going to still be studying. And, but we, you got to stay in the Word of God. Um, stay close to Him. And that's where your power is going to lie. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for every man and woman here tonight. Thank you that you're drawing us to yourself, that you are luring us closer. Oh, Lord, I want to go up higher with you. I want to go in deeper with you. I, I want to know you better. Lord, I was talking to a friend and, and Deb tonight, and I, I said there's just so much I feel like is there that I don't understand. There's, I feel like I'm on the, the precipice of, of, of truth that I can't quite grasp. And, Lord, there's so much. We have to learn about you. There's so much more. There's the deeper things of God. Lord, I want to know those deeper things of God. I, I pray that you'd take us in deeper. Take us up higher. Give us a spirit of wisdom and a revelation so that we might know you better. The cry of my heart, Lord. So, Father, I pray that this summer would be life-changing for every person here. And Lord, that when we gather together again in the fall, Lord, that you would launch us into the deep. And, 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 Lord, that you would reveal even greater truths to us as we gather together corporately again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.